let's say that your child is used to just eating chicken nuggets and tater tots. And you're like, well, I'd really like my child to start eating more fruits and veggies. And so instead of being like, oh my gosh, I've, I've ruined my child, I'm such a failure. You just be like, hey, it's okay. This is what we've done to get through to this point. And now we're gonna try something different. Hey ladies, you're listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast, where I interview some of the most amazing women from those sharing knowledge related to labor, breastfeeding, and postpartum issues to everyday moms sharing stories of struggle, triumph, and the unexpected. These women are sure to give you honest conversations to help accomplish one key issue, getting rid of mom shaming. So if you want a judgment-free, open conversation, Buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. This is Mom Talks with Krista. Hey guys, today's episode is all about healthy eating and getting your kids to eat healthier. I brought on Jennifer Anderson, who is a dietitian that works directly with parents on helping instill healthy behaviors, getting rid of bad habits, and she shares her number one tip for instilling healthy habits in your kids' lives today. So stay tuned. This is going to be an awesome episode. I'm so excited. Thanks, guys. My name is Jennifer Anderson. I'm a registered dietitian and Master of Science in Public Health. And I have two super exciting little guys and am married to an engineer. Really, my family is how I got into this. So I've been a dietitian for, oh my gosh, I guess like seven and a half years now. But it really wasn't until I had my first son and he had some eating issues that I really decided to dig deeper into feeding kids. And he is one of those kids who would love to do anything else than eat. (laughs) And so I began to learn a lot about how to provide high calorie diets for kids who tend not to eat enough and how to make cute lunches that would keep his attention at the table. And then of course, my second little one turned out to be more selective in his choices of what he wanted to eat. And so I really got a good healthy dose of reality of what it's like to feed a child who won't eat tomatoes for the first three and a half years of his life. (laughs) I do have to say for everyone watching, you have like the most beautiful display of images of how to make food pretty and appealing to kids on your Instagram. So was that something that came over time? Like as you kind of started looking at the higher calorie foods for when you're someone to eat a lot? So I started making cute lunches when my son went to preschool at three and I knew that he would rather do just about anything else other than eat. And so I was like, well, maybe if I make the cheese into a little man or a little bunny or whatever, he would be willing to eat it. And sure enough, that's what it did. And that, that was really the point at which I was like, you know, maybe I, maybe it'd be helpful to another mom out there if I posted some pictures of the lunches that I'm making. I mean, they were cute, but I'm not like the world's greatest food stylist or anything like that, right? And obviously I've learned a lot, but it's like, they're cute, they're tiny. I might as well put that out there and provide some nutrition information and see if some other moms could get some help. So I did lunches primarily for about a year and a half on Instagram. (laughs) And then I changed to more educational images and that sort of thing. Awesome. So when do you think is the best time for parents to start implementing like healthy habits for their kids and and eating? I would say like, you know, as soon as your kid starts eating food, there's a lot of things you can do. And I'm not a, a, a big proponent of any specific form of weaning or, 
or anything like that. But I am a huge proponent of from day one, like the day that your child takes their first bite, really giving the kids the the reins for what they're willing to put in their mouth and what they're willing to swallow and eat and that sort of thing. And the parent deciding what's going to be on that baby tray or mm-hmm. what's going to be at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And that can start that can start right away, you know. You you don't have to go make another meal for your kid when they're one or two. You also don't have to force feed them. You don't have to play the little airplane game where you get them to open their mouth so you can <laughs> shove a spoonful in. You actually don't have to do any of that. You could just wait for them to open their mouth or, you know, be okay if they if they decide they don't want that in their mouth. And so what would you say then if someone's watching and like maybe their kids are three or four years old, so they've been eating food for a while now, but they're kind of like, ooh, they're kind of starting to eat unhealthier foods, but I didn't really talk to them about healthy eating. What's a good place to start with them? I think beginning by kind of establishing a meal routine where you know, like, hey, these are the meals that we're going to serve, and this is around the time that we're going to be eating them. And then you start to eat as many meals as you and snacks as you can with your child. And that's going to look different for every family, whether you're eating, having a family dinner every night, or maybe that doesn't work for you. And so you have a family breakfast every morning, or maybe you eat all your meals together on the weekends, but not during the week, whatever works for you. You start eating with them as much as possible and providing a wider variety of food. So let's say that your child is used to just eating chicken nuggets and tater tots. And you're like, well, I'd really like my child to start eating more fruits and veggies. And so instead of being like, oh my gosh, I've I've ruined my child, I'm such a failure. You can just be like, hey, it's okay. This is what we've done to get through to this point. And now we're gonna try something different. And then you start serving with every meal, you start serving a fruit and a vegetable. If you have a child who's literally only eating tater tots and chicken nuggets, you can continue to serve those and also begin to start serving these other foods. Because if a child hasn't really eaten a food in a really long time, it may feel new to them. It may feel scary. They may not like it. They may need some time to get used to it and to become more comfortable because they're not going to really put it in their mouth until they're a lot more comfortable with that food. No, I think that's great that, you know, you're not completely switching over their plate. You're just kind of slowly incorporating new foods right? right. and be comfortable. Yeah. That's awesome. So what would you say is, I know there, there's probably so many, but what would you say is like one tip that parents should know when it comes to instilling this healthy diet into their lives? One tip for me is to not force your kid to try anything or to eat anything because we know that although you might be able to force your child to eat, quote, healthier food in the short run, in the long run, they're likely to like that food less, like Mm -hmm. intrinsically inside of themselves. They just don't really like it because their parents forced them to eat it. I like a no pressure table. So you don't have to eat anything if you come to dinner, but you do need to sit with the family for a certain amount of time. And 99.99% of the time, my children decide to eat something of what is available. But having that no pressure approach is what really teaches kids for the long run how to eat a wider variety of foods. Mm, Awesome. And that actually brought up a question that I was going to ask you as well is, 
kids sitting at the table. I thought that was such an awesome point that you make on your Instagram page as well about making sure kids do sit at the table, but some kids do have a really hard time sitting at the table. So what are some of your tips and tricks for making sure your kids stay at the table? I like to set expectations first. Like, are you being reasonable with your expectations as a parent? And often parents are like, well, my kid should be able to sit at the table for 30 minutes. Well, does your child sit and do anything for 30 minutes? (laughs) If not, there's no way, no way they're going to sit at the table for 30 minutes. I like to recommend two minutes per year of age to start. So that means your one-year-old may only sit at the table for two minutes and that would actually be fine. I know my kids are very active. They don't like to sit period, (laughs) let alone at the dinner table, which is developmentally appropriate for them and their energy levels and who they are. What you can do is you can start with that two minutes or four minutes or whatever it is for your child. And then you can use a timer to slowly work up to a larger number. So we started with two minutes and we were able to work up to 15 minutes for several years. And 15 minutes was really about as long as we could keep it together at our table. And then when the oldest was six and the youngest was four, we just noticed they were naturally sitting longer and now they can sit for 20 to 30 minutes. But it really depends on your child and what they're capable of. If you have a child who just loves to sit in color for a half an hour, then yeah, maybe you can expect they'll sit in their chair for a half an hour. But if you have like a go-getter kiddo who is climbing all over the place and always trying to run everywhere, you can expect two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe four if you're lucky, but you can, you yeah. can teach them that, you know, we stay until the timer is up and you could slowly work them up to kind of their max sitting time, whatever mm-hmm. that is. I think that's so important what you say about, it's going to be different for every kid. You know, some kids have different personalities or some can sit for a while and do something, but other kids are going to be antsy and all over the place. Yeah. So very good. You know, that. Another thing is really to make sure your kids have like foot support. So if a kid has their legs mm-hmm. dangling and they're not going to feel as grounded, they're going to be less comfortable. So having a high chair with like a foot rest can mm-hmm. actually be a big win in getting them to sit longer as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's awesome. I love these tips. Mm-hmm. You also talk about balanced diets for kids because that's going to be, that's going to look way different than for an adult. So what would you consider a balanced diet for a child? Sure. So I think every meal and snack we want to kind of shoot for, shoot for hitting the main food groups, right? So we want to have a protein source, we want to have a fat source, and we want maybe want to have a fruit and a vegetable or one or the other, and a um, carbohydrate source. So, you know, instead of just giving our kids goldfish crackers, which, you know, that's a fun snack sometimes, but it's, you know, 99% carbohydrate, right? So they're not getting anything that's really going to sustain them when like kids are only being provided with high carbohydrate options throughout the day. They're going to be hungry constantly. And that's when you see a kid who's like, I'm hungry, mommy, I'm hungry, unless they're going through a growth spurt. (laughs) But that's a different thing. And you're like, well, I can't feed you eight times today, right? Instead, we want to see planned meals and snacks. And we want to see those meals and snacks have a good fat source, have a good protein source. So instead of just an apple, maybe an apple with peanut butter or instead of just vegetables, which is not going to be a very satisfying snack, you can serve the vegetables with hummus. Mm. Making sure dips are great, are often a great source of fat. You pair it maybe with a piece of cheese or with some sort of nut butter or, you know, 
uh, meat or something like that. So that you really are kind of hitting all those things. And, and what's nice about that is you can actually eat the same way, you know, you can make sure that you are feeding yourself, which can be really tricky, especially as a mom, I know. But when you feed your kid those, that hummus and those carrot sticks, or, you know, if they're older or whatever you're feeding your child, Mm -hmm. you can feed yourself the same thing. Like that's still a healthy snack for you. And it's also going to hold you until the next meal or snack. This podcast is sponsored by Mommy Knows Best. Mommy Knows Best empowers all moms with the tools and resources necessary to give your newborn the best start in life. With an assortment of lactation supplements that contain all natural herbal remedies traditionally and effectively used for generations to treat low milk supply. Whether you're a new mom or a pro, Mommy Knows Best gives you plenty of options, all of which are created with the health and safety of both baby and mom in mind. I'm a huge believer in food for people as opposed to like kid food and adult food and baby food. I just think of it as food. Like we're all humans here for obviously for babies and toddlers, you prepare it slightly differently and you may change the texture or, or the size to make it safe. But really if kids are eating a, a meal, I should be able to eat that same meal and feel good about it. You know, my kids aren't going to eat like a whole plate of salad for lunch. And sometimes that may be what's appropriate for me because that's what my body is craving. And so I'll make myself like a salad with maybe the chicken and whatever our leftovers from dinner were on top of my salad. Well, my kids, they're just not going to eat that. And I know that. So maybe I make it slightly different for them. And instead of giving them a plate of salad in their lunchbox. It's a, a wrap with the dinner leftovers and maybe mm-hmm. a couple pieces of salad inside of it. But we should technically all be able to more or less eat the same food because it's all mm-hmm. food. Yeah, absolutely. So when, like, if at all, should a parent start getting concerned that their child's not getting enough fruits or vegetables or even maybe another part of the, you know, proteins mm-hmm. that at what point should they, you know, go see a dietitian or get some help with that? So if your pediatrician is like, hey, your child is not gaining enough weight, that is a great time to be like, oh, okay, something is up. That is a good time to go see a dietitian. A dietitian would be able to actually look at your diet, look at your child's diet and see what might be missing or what might be going on. Because there's there's a lot of things that can go on that really takes a professional to diagnose. The thing about pediatricians is they're great at assessing the health of your child right now. So they could be like, your child is growing too much. You, sometimes you'll, you'll hear pediatricians say, wow, so your child has gained like a significant amount of weight. That's interesting to me. I always ask pediatricians not to talk about weight in front of kids because that can be really problematic. Mm-hmm. But if there is a concern like that, the pediatrician isn't going to be the best source of information on what to go forward if diet needs to change. They're mm-hmm. not the specialist in that area. And that's why they might say, oh, you need some pediatrician," Or, oh, you'll hear pediatricians who say, put your child on a diet. That is not an evidence-based practice to just put your child on a diet. So if you ever hear that from a pediatrician, definitely go find a dietitian because you can do a lot of damage um, Mm -hmm. by putting a child on a diet. But the dietitian is actually going to assess what is going on, analyze whether or not that is what the child needs. And she's going to be able to, or he is going to be able to make recommendations specifically for your child and what Mm -hmm. needs to change to help them achieve their health goals. 
That's great. Cause I know a lot of, we have a Facebook group as well with um, mommy knows best. And a lot of them talk about, you know, concerns about their kids not getting enough of, you know, vegetables, how I get them to eat it. I think it's good to know too, that, you know, there's, you know, they don't have to force their kids to eat it. I think a lot of it will come right. with time. Yeah. <laughs> so there, you know, that, that here's the thing. Some kids will outgrow it and some kids will not. Mm-hmm. So we all, I, I think we all know adults who are like, I'm a picky eater and they mm-hmm. essentially eat child chicken nuggets every day. <laughs> I know those people and we have to be careful just telling people, oh, your kid will grow out of it. It's normal because it's not always normal. And normal is a weird word because like what is normal with children? But it's not always typical for some groups of children to outgrow that. If they have a sensory processing disorder or if they have genetically picky tendencies or a lot of these things, they're not, they're actually not going to grow out of it. It's probably going to get worse. It could get a lot worse. And I actually have a program for those families, my Better Bites program. And we actually go through all the techniques that you would get if you worked with a occupational therapist or a speech language pathologist or a dietitian to go over the techniques because some kids, they just can't get over the sensory qualities of food. They can't do it. It is too overwhelming. It's too scary. It's they just can't, they can't handle it. And so we have to use specialized techniques to help them be able to hold broccoli in their hand, be able to smell it, be able to taste it, be able to eat it. And a lot of moms, I find, feel like if their kid isn't eating vegetables or fruits, that somehow they're like a bad mom or they failed their child or whatever. A lot of times there is this genetic component or there's this sensory component. It's out of their control, really. And they can learn some techniques to help their child through that, but it's going to be a process and it's going to take a while, but it's okay. Scrolling through your Instagram as well, I came across this awesome post about the three chip trick. It's like right. a tongue twister. Yeah. So can you explain what that is? Sure. So a lot of kids, uh, mine included, go through phases where they're so obsessed with candy and they're like, oh my gosh, candy, candy, candy. Well, we as parents often make this obsession worse by saying things like, well, you have to finish your dinner before you get your candy. What we tell them when we do that is that candy is the reward and candy is super exciting. We put it up on a pedestal and then we're like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky you got this candy after dinner. And we hype it up and we make it bigger and bigger and the kids just become obsessed with it. So if you find yourself in a position where you have a child who's obsessed with candy, you can... Uh, start serving whatever that treat is, that cookie, that candy. In this case, it be chocolate chips. You serve them with their lunch or with their dinner. And and just don't make a big deal out of it. It's just there. And then they're like, oh my gosh. And what you're saying by putting it, just like everything else on their plate is this is all the same. And you're not saying anything. You're not hyping it up or anything. Mm-hmm. And you do that for three days. And maybe on the fourth day, you kind of assess, is the obsession going down or is it going up? You serve it with the meal and you're saying, hey, this is all food and kind of decrease the specialness of it, essentially. Mm. Now, when your kid is like, I want more chocolate chips after they've had those three, you can just say, you know, there's no more available for this meal, but we're going to have more tomorrow. And just to terms of that, you can definitely assume that they're going to have tantrums for a while and it may take a few weeks for them to understand that yeah they're going to get chocolate chips now and then with a meal 
and they're not going to be able to have as many as they want, but they're going to be able to have a couple and, and that's okay. So you're training them. It's a long game. That is so clever. I love that idea because it's so true. I mean, how chocolate is normally treated. It's like, oh, it's a specialty dessert. You know, it's, it's separate. That's such an interesting like concept to have it with the meal, but just a small amount to kind of balance it out. Right. And I do find like parents have a really hard time with it. They're like, well, that doesn't seem right. But then they're also equally frustrated that their kid is so obsessed with candy. And I just find so many parents are like, oh my gosh, I never thought I would see my kid take a bite of broccoli before chocolate. And they see that. Um, now my kids will generally eat the chocolate first and that's fine too. They're also not like, I just want more chocolate. They almost never ask for it because they just know, well, this is what's available and then I'll have more another day. I think this is really interesting to know what your view on like snacks and treats are. It's kind of like a segue from putting, you know, the chocolate in the meal, like a couple of chips. So what is your, yeah, what's your view on different snacks and treats and how do you tell your child no when they ask for something when it's probably not the right time or they already had something? I think establishing your authority as the person who decides what food is served when is really important. And we don't have to be jerks about it. We can just be really clear and really firm that we decide when food is served. What would be your one piece of advice to a mom that has a super picky eater to say get them to try new foods? Yeah, so... The, oh my gosh, so the number one thing is definitely to take the pressure off. That's, you always have to start there. Got to take the pressure off. If you're forcing your child to eat, they are not establishing a no pressure meal time is going to be really key. Awesome. I love that because I think it's the opposite of what most people think. Right. I mean, I even remember growing up and my brother was a super picky eater and it would always be like, eat, you know, eat that food. It's, you know, it's so good for you. And it's like, he doesn't care if it's good for him or, yeah, you know, he's just no. a little kid. And I remember, I just remember, yeah, it's more, if you didn't eat it, it was more, more pressure to eat it. So right, that's very interesting. Can you just tell me a little bit more about what you do with Kids Eat in Color and a little bit more about your brand there? So Kids Eat in Color is all about helping you get your kids to eat more veggies and more foods and feel better about yourself. <laughs> So I do have a program for the parents of really picky eaters. It's a four-week online program that walks parents through how to implement a new no-pressure policy and all of the things that go around that. How do you actually teach your kid to try something new when they are desperately afraid or desperately picky? And there's a lot of things that we do from food play. I also have a meal plan for families, for busy families, who are looking to do a little bit better or a little bit easier with weeknight meals. So it's a really easy meal plan for weekdays called Real Easy Weekdays. And uh, families love it. And it also teaches you how to, you know, make most of the foods on your own. I'll definitely put your information about your page and your meal plans all in the show notes as well. So people can definitely check that out. Because like I said, I think like, a lot of the moms are either about to hit that stage or they're already in that stage of trying to get their kids to start eating healthy. So this will be like perfect for them. I know a lot, this was like a highly requested interview from people in the group. Oh, I'm so happy to hear it. I always like to end these interviews with, uh, I call them kind of fun thinking questions. 
And so if you could have a billboard made today where you would share one tip with moms everywhere, what would you have it say? You're doing a great job. Awesome. That's what it would be. And then, you know, maybe it would have some pictures of some colorful colorful lunches on there. Well, that's all I would say. <laughs> there you go. That would grab attention for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and if you could go back in time and give yourself advice when you first became a mom, what would you say to yourself? It's not going to go the way you think it will. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I feel like that's been the theme of my motherhood. I think the more that we think we're doing a good job, the better we can do. And the more we can really gives ourselves a pat on the back every step of the way, even if we feel like things are just going so poorly. Remember, we're doing a better job than we think we are. And from that place, we can learn new things and we can try new things and we can solve our problems and that sort of thing. But there's just so much pressure on us. I feel like as as moms and as parents that we just kind of get bogged down in that. And it just kind of, it comes out in like all sorts of ways that just make it hard for us to function and hard for us to even do better. Like we want to do better, but we're so bogged down in like thinking that we've been doing a bad job or whatever. So I think I would just tell myself that you know, I was doing an okay job and that was fine. And it was it was good enough. Thanks for listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast. For more information about this show, past shows, or to check out our YouTube channel, please see our show notes. If you loved the show, please share it with your mom tribe. The bigger, the better. Thanks for listening and have a great day.